Alrighty ho, morena. How you doing? Hola to the ladies down here too. Okay, hey, well, it's great to be able to continue on in our series around um, covering the spiritual gifts this morning. But before I start telling you about the gift that I'm going to share about today, I want to tell you about a funeral that I watched online about a month ago. Um, now, it was online because it was held in the States, and the person whose funeral it was, I actually hadn't met her, but her sister was a flatmate of mine years and years ago, so um, I was kind of there watching to support her. And um, there was a Facebook page set up as well where lots of people put tributes and spoke videos of stories and things about her life. And I'm always amazed, aren't you, about what you learn about someone from their funeral and the tributes that are given. It's really amazing. And what came through really clearly through lots of the stories and also from her parents when they gave tributes was this, that this woman had been off the charts generous all her life. Her dad told a story about when she was really young. Her dad at that time was an itinerant preacher traveling around New Zealand and the family lived by faith. And they often struggled a lot financially. And at times, he said they even had to have garage sales to pay their bills. So that was pretty huge. But one morning, during one of these times of struggle, they woke up and there was an envelope on the bench. And on it, this young girl had written, as to the Lord. And they opened it up, and inside was a dollar forty-three of her own pocket money. This was probably back in the late 70s. Um, so it was a lot of her pocket money. Um, and her parents were so touched by her generosity and um, the sacrifice that she had made to give to help her parents out. And her, her mum in particular prayed that God would just really bless her for that. And it just so happened that the next week, her older sister, my friend, um, had her birthday and a neighbour came across with a present for the older sister. And they didn't want the younger sister to miss out and they gave her $2. How cool is that? <laughs> Um, but there was story after story on the Facebook page about how she'd grown. She was not only quite entrepreneurial, but also extravagantly generous. Um, her mum told a story about once when her mum had a birthday, her daughter was then by then a doctor at Starship, and she paid for her mum to have a helicopter trip, which is pretty cool. But not only that, there was a young boy at the hospital who'd been there quite long term, and he hardly ever got visitors. And so she also paid for this young boy to come on the helicopter trip and experience it. Um, and that included having to have two doctors come with him to take care of him. As a med student, she'd been to India on a volunteer trip, and she'd been really impacted by the lack of resources that the hospitals had over there. Imagine what she'd think about what's happening today. Um, and just the, the lack of... Um, yeah, resources that the hospitals had. And so she decided that once she was fully qualified as a doctor, she was going to set up some kind of medical business, which she did, first in Australia and then in the States. But And one of the purposes of that business was going to be so that a portion of the profits that she made would be sent to India to help support the resources that they needed in the hospitals over there. And there were many other stories, and I think she was pretty outgoing and... Um, kind of a bit crazy sometimes as well. There were some pretty funny stories, like one of her primary school friends told how they used to make a bit of money in primary school um, breeding and selling mice to their classmates. I bet their parents loved that. Um, the, the female mice were 80 cents each, and the, the males were a dollar. So if they weren't quite sure whether it was a male or a female, it was always sold as a male, um, even if suspiciously sometimes might have looked a wee bit pregnant, but 
never mind. <laughs> um, but the key thing that really came out about her was her generosity and how she just um, treated everyone as really special. So maybe by now you've guessed that the gift I'm going to be talking to you about today is the gift of giving or generosity. So what I want to do is I want to tell you a bit about the gift <clears throat> and, and how it operates, and then I just want to tell you some more stories showing you how that's worked, first from the Bible and then some more recent examples as well. Now, the gift of giving is another one of these ones where actually we're all called to do giving, whether it's your main spiritual gift or not. Um, as part of God's family, we're called to help the poor, to help those in need, and to support those whose work is sharing the gospel and um, caring for us spiritually. Now, in the Old Testament, there were laws around tithing, and tithing just means a tenth, and they, um, they were called to give 10% or a tithe of the best crops or flocks to be used in sacrifices or for the provisions for the priests. Now in the New Testament, that's been replaced really by a principle of generous giving towards the needs of the poor and towards God's work. So we can all, we can and should all freely and cheerfully give as an ongoing offering to God and his work. And I would call this, it's going to pop up here, a thankful response and act of worship for all that God has done for us and given to us, um, like Craig was saying before. And for all the picture-thinking people, you can see it's like the shape of a funnel because God pours into us and we just give a little back. So I think, though, that God was really onto something with the idea of tithing um, because working out 10% of something is pretty easy, Right? It makes it really straightforward to work out if that's the guide that you're using, what you're going to give. Do you remember when GST was 12.5% and some shops would have GST off sales? Well, who's going to stand in Briscoe's and work out in their head 12.5% of 36.99? No one. <laughs> in fact, no one's going to buy anything at Briscoe's unless it's half price anyway. Um, but for many of us, the principle of tithing or 10% is just a really nice, easy way of working out our giving. And money is the most obvious resource um, that we trade in today. So most often what we give is our money. Um, but it doesn't have to be money. It could be something else like food or clothing, or if you have a skill or a resource that you can give, that's totally legitimate as well. So if we're all called to give in this way, then how is the gift of giving different to our general giving? Let's take a look at what um, the Bible says about that. And you know, there's just one place where the gift of giving is talked about as a spiritual gift, and that's Romans 12, verse 8. Um, so grab your Bibles out if you want to follow along. We're going to be um, jumping around in the New Testament this morning, but um, follow along if, if you'd like to. So Romans 12, verse 8 says, If your gift is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So just seven words in the middle of that verse there about giving, and there's one word that makes the difference. There's something there that we need to pay attention to. Because with giving, it doesn't just say, if your gift is giving, then give, because we're all called to give. It says, do it this way, do it generously. So if generously is our only instruction about the gift of giving and how to operate as a gift, then we should really try to understand that word. And it turns out that this word generously 
has three kind meanings in its original, uh, three parts to its original meaning, and they're going to pop up there. Generously, to give generously means abundance, simplicity, and sincerity. So abundance is what we usually think about when we think of the word generous. It's giving big, giving lots, giving in the sense of um, giving copiously, bountifully, liberally, all those big words. But it also means to give with simplicity. Simplicity means giving with no thought other than to freely give. It's a purely giving gift. It's given happily, not grudgingly. And it also means sincerity. Giving without being self-seeking or attention-seeking, with having no ulterior motives about what you're going to get back for that. So from all of that, here's a definition that's going to pop up of um, the gift of giving from the website that we're using. And it says, to share what material resources you have with liberality and cheerfulness without thought of return. So liberality, that just means to give liberally. So there's the abundance, the cheerfulness or joy, that's the simplicity. And without thought of return, that's giving with sincerity. There's another definition from a, from a different website that's slightly longer and gives us some more insight as well. It says, The Holy Spirit imparts this gift to summon the church to meet the various needs of the church and its ministries, missionaries, or of people who do not have the means to provide fully for themselves. The goal is to encourage and provide, giving all credit to God's love and provision. Those with this gift love to share with others the overflow of blessings God has given them. So it shows us not just the purpose for giving, but also the motivation. The motivation is, yes, to provide for and encourage others, but underneath that, it's to give God the glory, to be a channel of God's blessing to other people. So putting all of that together, I think that the gift of giving, really simply, looks like supercharged, joyful generosity. It's a funnel um, where God pours in really big, and um, it has a really wide opening of giving um, flowing out. Now, if you were here last week, Dave talked to us about the gift of voluntary poverty, and that can also involve giving. So I want to be really clear how these uh, gifts um, are different in their purpose. Because voluntary poverty, Dave explained it really well, is when someone gives away most of what they have or what they earn with the purpose that they can live in a way that they can relate to or connect with others that have very little. So the gift of giving, it's also about giving away finances or resources, but the purpose is to build God's kingdom and God's work, or to provide for people in need. So people with the gift of giving may continue to be blessed with having a lot, um, but they use what they have to be able to continue also giving a lot. You know, I've also been thinking through, um, as we go through this series, that each of the spiritual gifts in some ways captures something of who God is or what God does, and that he's always actually the best at the spiritual gifts and our example. He's the source of the best wisdom, the best discernment. Um, he's the best prophet as he speaks to us through his word and to our hearts. He's um, 
His spirit is the best encourager. He's the ultimate healer, helper, leader, administrator. He's all of those things. So it's also true that God is the greatest giver and that we can never give, outgive God or give more than what he's given to us. And there's just three verses here um, that demonstrate that. Familiar ones, I'm sure. John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. Acts 17.25 says, And God is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. In Ephesians 1 verse 3, God has blessed us with or given us every spiritual blessing in Christ. So anything we give to God or to his work or to his people is just an overflow or an outflow of what God has already given to us. So that's the gift of giving. Let's um, look at some stories now, first from the Bible, and then um, some more recent ones about how this gift looks in action. So the first one is going to be from Luke chapter 8, verses 1 to 3. And um, this is around the woman who supported Jesus. Let's read what that says. It says, After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. So these women were providing funds, presumably for food and other provisions, for a large group of people as they travelled around. We knew, we'd, sorry, we know that there were at least 13 men with Jesus and the 12 disciples, probably many others, and the three women that are named here, plus the many others that are mentioned as well. So this would have been a really expensive, ongoing need, even just to feed them each day. And note that um, it says that the three women had been cured by Jesus of evil spirit, uh, evil spirits and diseases. Their giving was an overflow of their thankfulness for what Jesus had done for them. And I love how we get told about these women, and it's like a little insight into the practicalities of how things worked back then when Jesus was traveling around, and we get a little bit of their background. You know, Chooser must have been a great guy to recognize the privilege that Joanna had uh, to serve Jesus and to let her have the freedom to do that in that time. Don't you think Joanna chose a great guy? <laughs> Lame joke. <laughs> uh, um, each of the women, though, they'd made a choice to follow Jesus. Their act of thankfulness and service for him, for what he'd done for them, was to support them out of their own means. And I'm looking forward to hearing way more details about this story one day. But later on, Luke records that Mary Magdalene and Joanna and the other woman were still providing for Jesus after his death when they came to the tomb carrying costly spices for his body. You know, they were the first to find him gone, the first to be told by the angels that he had risen. They were the first to go to the apostles to tell of the resurrection they had given to Jesus from their means, and Jesus gave them an honoured place in the gospel and in the telling of it. How cool. Hey, another story. 
The next story is about a woman called Tabitha, and we read about her in Acts chapter 9, verses 36 to 42. Now, I couldn't fit it all up there, um, so that's just the highlights on the screen. But it says, in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in the, an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. So Tabitha, wow, she's pretty special. You know, notice, it, notice that Tabitha's just casually um, referred to here as a disciple. Well, a disciple technically means a learner or student. And this is actually a really unique mention in the Bible of the word disciple in the feminine form applied to a woman individually rather than collectively as a group of disciples. So she was a follower of Jesus' teachings. And how did that lead her to live? Well, giving and service seem to really go together here for Tabitha. Tabitha gave to the poor. And this story shows specifically... Um, the giving of material resources, not just money. Tabitha made robes and clothing and gave that away. And I'm just guessing, but I think it's likely that the widows who mourned her death so much were probably amongst the poor that had received her generosity. Tabitha gave of her time and her talent and her possessions as a follower of Jesus. And she was so honoured and respected that when she died, it was worth sending for the apostle Peter. And in God's will, by a miracle, she was gifted new life and new opportunity to continue serving. And notice that because of what happened, many people believed in the Lord. Such a cool story. Okay, one more story from the Bible. And uh, this one's from 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 to 5, and it's about the Macedonian churches. So here, this is Paul writing a letter to the Corinthian church, and he's encouraging them to give, and he's using the Macedonian churches as an example. So he says, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches in the midst of a very severe trial. Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. Notice that these entire churches seem to have the gift of giving described here. And note also that they weren't just giving because they had surplus or extra um, and they were well off. 
they were actually in the midst of a really severe trial and extreme poverty themselves, which is interesting. So you don't have to be rich, just willing to use the gift of giving. And yet they felt really urgently compelled to help the Lord's people. They saw it as a privilege and as a service to the Lord. And so here again, giving and service kind of seem to combine. Notice all the supercharged ways that Paul describes their giving. He says it resulted in rich generosity. They gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, and their giving exceeded his expectations. But it's also really important to notice the attitude that they gave in. It came from overflowing joy. They gave themselves first to the Lord. It was an act of worship for them, and then they gave to the Lord's people. You know, what a beautiful and amazing example the Macedonian churches were of supercharged, joyful generosity. No wonder Paul used them as an example to the Corinthian church to encourage them to also give. Imagine if we became a church like that. But just a wee caution about those verses, if we could go back to them. Um, that I don't want you to read them and think, if I have the gift of giving, then I have to give beyond my ability or exceed others' expectations. Because actually giving beyond your ability is generally not really very wise, mainly because um, then you run the risk of not being able to pay your own bills and needing someone to help you. So it kind of defeats the purpose of giving, except for maybe in that special case of the gift of voluntary poverty. Now, um, we can go to the next slide. We don't know what happened uh, next for the Macedonian churches in their poverty, but it does seem like in lots of situations, the more givers give, the more God blesses them with more, and the more they have the ability to give back to God. And in the Bible, there's a principle of reaping and sowing. And we often think of it in the negative, like you reap what you sow with... Um, consequences for bad choices, but it can also work the other way, that those who sow through giving receive blessing from God. Now, the caution around this is that the blessing may not always be financial. It can be sometimes, but it may not always be a financial blessing, and it wouldn't be giving with simplicity and sincerity if you were giving with the ulterior motive of wanting God to make you rich and successful, okay? But if someone is um, a willing giver to the work of God, it, it does make sense that God would give them heaps to be able to give back to his work. It's like being a funnel through which God's blessings and resources flow. The more God gives, um, the more God's work receives. Also from those verses, um, giving should never be to meet or exceed another person's expectations. That should never be your motivation. Uh, what you give will be between you and God. Maybe sometimes God will call you to give in a way that just seems nuts to somebody else, um, but that should make you super excited to see what God is going to do with that. Paul thought what the Macedonian church gave was more than they were able, but remember they did it joyfully and even pleaded for the privilege to be able to give. Okay, some more recent stories about giving. Before we jump into those, I just want to say it's kind of tricky to find recent stories usually because givers like to fly under the radar and give in secret. 
And part of the reason for this is when they're giving, um, their purpose is to give glory and attention to God, and it's an act of worship. It's not to draw attention to themselves. And Jesus gave this warning in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. He said, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So imagine walking down Victoria Street, um, looking for homeless people and handing out sandwiches with one hand but having a megaphone in the other, announcing it to the street. That's um, kind of the ridiculous picture that Jesus is painting of what these hypocrites, um, their attitude was that he was talking about. That's not really giving, it's advertising. It's like a business that gives to a cause but then wants their name over everything. They might care about the cause, but they're actually really caring about the business that they'll get back from what they've invested. And that kind of giving is self-serving, not God-serving. You know, the heart of true giving is so humble and secret that it's as ridiculous as your left hand not even knowing what your right hand is doing. God sees and he is the one that will reward you. So it can be kind of tricky to find stories about those with the gift of giving because they keep it secret or hardly anybody knows or you don't hear about it until um, they're gone, like that funeral that I watched uh, a while ago. But here is one more recent example. And it's a cool story. It's about a businessman named Robert Laidlaw. Now, he died back in 1971 at the age of 85. So it is from a little while ago, but his legacy lives on really strongly today because Robert Laidlaw was the founders, the founder of the Farmers Trading Company. And you'll recognise that today as the Farmers Department Stores. And it actually started out as a mail-order catalogue. Who knew? He was also the founder of the Postal Sunday School movement in New Zealand, and he was a lay preacher in the Open Brethren movement, and he wrote a short gospel book um, called The Reason Why. You can still buy it online for $1.95 if you want to look that up. And he was also one of the founders of the New Zealand Bible College. And back in 2008, they changed the name of that Bible college to Laidlaw College, and that was in recognition of him being one of the founders, but also they said, because of his significant influence both in the church and in society. So I did a bit of research, and here's what Wikipedia said was one of Laidlaw's best-known quotes. And funnily enough, it was about giving. So he said, From the earliest stage of my business, I tithed and received God's blessing and wisdom. Initially, my tithes were small and gifts of love, and I felt God's blessing on my work. Later, when my business was a success, my tithes were bountiful and I was blessed again. You know, I'd kind of heard a bit about the legend of this guy that started Farmers. And the way that I'd heard it was that I'd heard that he'd started out in business giving 10%. Um, and that as his business grew, he decided to just kind of keep his income about the same. And so as his profits grew, his, his giving was the rest, so the percentage of that grew. And I, I um, managed to find some information about that as well. 
and that's going to pop up in a quote from an essay about him which explains um, how his giving worked. It says, When Laidlaw was 18 years old, he made a tithing contract with God in his diary, committing to tithe 10% of his income. Two years later, in 1906, he edited this commitment, creating a scale that increased his tithing alongside the increase of his income. Eventually, in 1919, at the age of 25, he scrapped this scale in favour of tithing the greater amount of 50% to various organisations and charitable trusts. The relevance in these facts is the illustration of his values and commitments, which were to become a major part of his legacy throughout his life. In his success, he blessed many organisations, groups and families that he encountered. Whoa, that's really huge. He worked his way up over seven years. At the age of 25, he was giving away 50% of what he earned to God's work. So, um, you know, that's more than 60 years of giving and generosity as a really successful businessman. Notice in that first quote that he talked of his giving as acts of love and how he was blessed by God. Um, and that sounds pretty joyful to me. And the impacts of uh, his work and his generosity continue on today in our country and in the church around New Zealand. His life really was characterised by supercharged, joyful generosity through the spiritual gift of giving. Uh, another example, this is really recent, this one, because I just heard about it over the summer. I kind of only have sketchy details through family members and people that know them, so I won't give away any revealing details. But there are a bunch of four or five young Christian guys um, currently uh, in their late 20s, and they went, grew up in church together, went to youth group together, and they've um, stayed friends. And... Um, as they moved away from home from another, another city, uh, as they were starting out in their careers in the early 20s, um, they decided to form a joint trust fund. And into that trust fund, they put funds from their earnings or their businesses. And they, they're all doing pretty interesting jobs or running businesses. And I don't know exactly how it works, but I know that they choose somehow what money is going to go into this trust. And um, once or twice a year, they get together with their families and decide where to give the money. And once the money is in the trust, it's just there for giving away. And they're excited to do that and to share the money in ways that will make an impact. And, you know, I'm, I might never know much more about that story, but I'm excited to think how that, that small trust fund might grow and the impact that those friends could have through their giving. Because you may have heard of some, some really big uh, farming trusts that were set up quite a few years ago that give back to God's work and what a big impact and input they have into the Open Brethren move, Church Network. And I wonder if these young guys might um, end up growing into something similar over time. What about right here at our church? Well, I'm pretty sure there are people here with the gift of supercharged, joyful generosity. Um, you just hear little snippets now and then over the years. There's a generous gift made here, um, a debt paid off quietly over there, someone provides their skills um, here without charging. Um, or some new piece of equipment just turns up over there that's been donated. And then what a cool story Craig was able to share with us this morning of how we've been blessed as a church um, by someone's generosity. 
But you know, it's done in secret and in the quiet with no fuss, definitely no trumpets or megaphones. And we often don't hear who's done the giving, which is just exactly the way the givers would like it to be. So that's the gift of giving and what it can look like in some examples. So what do we do with this? Well, if you have the gift of giving, or maybe this sounds kind of exciting and you're wondering if you might have this gift, then I encourage you to give it a go. Do it in the quiet and trust God and watch what he does with that. If you find that God blesses you with more, then trust him some more with your giving. Trust, give, watch, repeat. Increase your trust by increasing what you give. If you have a little, um, maybe God's calling you to start stretching what you give from your little. If you have a lot, ask God how he might be challenging you to expand your impact in his kingdom through your giving and your generosity. Make it supercharged, make it joyful, make it generous. And just consider this question, who is missing out if you don't use your gift of giving in the way that God has given you the ability to and has enabled you? Who is missing out? Well, those that God wants to bless and help through your giving, well, they may miss out, or actually God may just use someone else. But you will be the one that's missing out on the joy and the blessing that God has for you and wants to give you through this gift if you don't use it. What about if your gift is not giving as a spiritual gift? Well, we should all still be giving as a regular, humble, thankful response and worship to God in proportion to what we have um, for all that God has done and given to us. And you know what? Like with all the gifts, even if it's not your main spiritual gift, it doesn't mean you can't uh, use or try out the others once in a while as well. So if God is leading you to do some supercharged, joyful generosity, sometime in addition to your faithful, regular giving, then go for it. Do it in secret. Enjoy knowing that God's kingdom is being advanced by your kindness, and then watch what God will do. Let me pray. Lord God, I just thank you that you first are the most amazing giver, Lord God. You gave us Jesus. You've given us uh, spiritual gifts. You give us the things that we need, Lord God. You've given us the blessing of living in this country, Lord. And so I just pray that you would give us joy in our giving, Lord. Would you give us joy as we give to your work? Would you give us joy as we give to those that are in need around us? And Lord God, I just pray for a real wisdom and discernment in those uh, who make the decisions around where um, our church finances go to, Lord God, and with what our church has been given. Lord, thank you for the, the generous, amazing gifts that we've received recently, Lord. May you be honoured and glorified by the use of the finances in our church and in our community, Lord. Lord, would you bless those with the gift of giving, Lord. Would you give them joy as they serve you in this way, Lord, and um, bless them as they choose to trust you and give in faith. In Jesus' name.